Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Hank, we'll go we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Hank Vogler checking in like clockwork. I don't want to say, I almost said a canned ham, but that's his line. I don't want to use his line. So then I said work instead of work. How's Hank? Well, jumping high and feeling good, by golly. I, I, uh, like a spring I, lamb, eh? I hate to keep doing this. Yeah, but I, I hate to keep doing this, but I'm, I'm going to have to ask for higher wages. My nephew stopped by. He lives on an Indian reservation in Flathead Indian Reservation in Montana, mm-hmm. and he's, he checks in every Monday. So now i got three fans. So now i got triple wages coming. So, but anyway. only one of your fan fans are um, not related to you, so it really doesn't count. My mom listens, but I don't count her as a fan. She she doesn't have a choice. Whoa. So now you're going to cut my wages, huh? <laughs> I'm not cutting anything, I'm, <laughs> and I'll I'll double it if you like. If that's what you want, I'll triple it. That's fine too. I I'd, I'd appreciate it. I, I think it's only time. So. Being just, the anyhow. fact that you brought it up, I'm going to go there for a bit. And I've told this story a number of times. Usually I tell it trying to be funny. I'm no longer being funny when I tell this story. In 1999, when I decided that I was going to start doing radio, I think you and most people know that I was, that we were living on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. It was a wonderful time. I truly enjoyed living on the Rosebud. I regret that five years living there, I didn't write a book. But after I started doing broadcasting, uh, I stopped in my buddy's store. We, we were showing cattle together, and we were traveling together a lot. And This week, we would be in Denver at the National Western Stock Show, which is where I'll be today and tomorrow, with the Piedmontese, not the Herefords. Joe and I showed Herefords. But he had this little store in Parmalee, South Dakota, that we called the Shop and Rob. That's not what Joe called it. That's what I call it, because he sits in there all day taking EBT cards from from tribal members that's what he does and in case i'm sure everybody knows the the ebt cards get money dumped on them every month the indians go to a store and they buy what they want and so this guy was in there one day and he would not have passed any blood alcohol test in any way shape or form it's just telling you it was his state of mind and uh he come over and to me and he said who are you and Joe said, well, that's Trent Luce. Don't you hear him on the radio? Oh, you, that guy talking about farmers? Yeah. Where do you reckon they'll put those farmer reservations? And, you know, that, <laughs> that was, that was kind of humorous. But, um, <coughs> Hank? <laughs> yes. Sir. It's not humorous anymore. <laughs> no. No. And, and I wa- then to top it all off, Saturday, we had a pretty severe weather day and well, just Kelly and I sat down and we watched a movie. And we watched, uh, Geronimo. And then I went and read how, you know, I, because I've been a part of making a movie, I understand Hollywood creative license. I watched a movie which was very good. But then I went and read what they had, uh, uh, embellished on and this and that and another thing. 
If you think that what's going on right now is any different than how they treated Geronimo and the, your your mother's side of the fan, grandmother's side of the family, uh, you're not paying attention. At oh, one point, Kelly looked so. at me and she oh. said, if you don't see the parallels of what's happening today, you're just simply not aware. I said, I know. Well, you know, as long as the grass shall grow and the sun shall shine. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was your tribal lands and, and it never worked out that way. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, the do-gooders were involved in those days too. Mm-hmm. So rather than, you know, there were different reservations that, that I've been around that there were some prosperous people there and hardworking people too. And then they just kind of more and more, it seems like they just faded into the background because they got that check every month and, and they got that socialism. And and that's what's always shocked me is, is that how we're all supposed to live? If anybody wants to see what, you know, I don't care what country it is that has prospered. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say anything nice about uh, my wife's heritage because, I mean, all the years we've been together, never a word about anything. And, and lately, it just every other word is... How horrible it is for her family and 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 everybody over there really? just having a heck of a time because of the government. Well, when when did that when did that shift in to, her mind? When when did she start talking about how about about, about eight ten months ago? May, maybe since kind of the Wuhan deal. Okay. Uh, it just yeah. I, I mean, always a neutral position. You know, I'd tease her about. I we'd be driving down the street. Uh, and there'd be somebody holding up a sign, you know, the old bull about work for food and all that. Right. And I'd always tease her. I'd say, I think that guy's probably married to a Chinese woman. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> kind of stir up. <laughs> that doesn't sound and like then, you at all. Uh, <laughs> and then we'd see some Chinese folks walking down the street. And I go, boy, they're everywhere. They're just taking over the world. And she'd just giggle. Well, now... Boy, she just, she, you say anything about politics, she just comes right on point about, it's not right, it's not right, this isn't, this isn't what we signed up for, and this deal about going back, trying to be Mao, and all mm-hmm. of this stuff, you know, I mean, that just, I just listen, and so, so there's a, there's a, at least in their area of the world, it, there's a paradigm shift that, it's not very pleasing to, to her, and, uh, so, like the party that we got the COVID at, that man got up and sang the Star Spangled Banner just right out of the audience. I mean, he, there was no, it wasn't his turn to sing or anything. I mean, and and kind of went on about how great the United States of America was. And there oh, there was only me and one other guy there that were Americans. They were, you know, born Americans. Everybody there was Chinese. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's just everything in the world socialism has never worked and 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 to put the tribes of the united states first of all to say they had some sort of an upper hand well every one of them were fighting with every they their their mitochondria is the same everywhere there there were thousands of different groups and tribes and, and they yeah some of them had alliances and what for to go over and beat up on another tribe i mean it just it's just uh, fairy tales that they told both ways to 
and they did it to look what they did to the aborigines in australia and in different places all over the world uh it's it's been human nature the the largest empire in the world was genghis khan he was from mongolia and and uh he never did get china whipped he, his son kublai khan did but that they were fighting all the time and over land and over power and it's just you know <laughs> I think you said it first, or I heard it first when we were working. They started doing this together about there's always been evil in the world, mm. and you can't do anything about it. it. You know, people just some people become evil, but what is really sorry is people that walk away, duck their head down, and do not wow. try and do anything about it. So. The most interesting thing about that, what you just said, would I agree with 100%. There's always been evil in the world. And, you know, when Trump was elected first time, 2016, I was traveling the world. I was going to the U.K. I was going to Japan. I was going to Australia with regularity. And the thing that they hated about Trump was, America first, America first. When I was in Japan, I finally had to stand up in a trade meeting and set them straight that every country should be their own country first. It's just that's the way that it should be. And there was this, this angst that we cared about America first. And now, now that where we're at today in January 2022, when I talk to my friends in those countries around the world, they're like, oh, man, the, the United States was the great equalizer. If you guys aren't on the level and keeping everybody at bay, the world's not sane. It's like they've had the greatest awakening yeah. ever, and they didn't understand it at the time, but they do now. And that was not a statement about Trump, yeah. by the way. That's a statement about the, the United States' importance in keeping the world on Keo. And when yeah. we lose our it, zeal it, to do that, <laughs> this is what you get. It's roll route. We've got to take a break. Hank Vogler... On a Monday, Martin Luther King Day, by the way. Every year, Hank and I are together on Martin Luther King Day. We'll talk about that when we return with more at Roll Ride. I want to remind you that Piedmontese offers the opportunity. The certified Piedmontese system creates an opportunity for Great Plains cattlemen to get paid properly. That's exactly why I'm going to the National Western Stock Show is with the Piedmontese breed. The show activities and the Breed Association activities are tonight and tomorrow. That really doesn't tie in directly to the certified Piedmontese system, but it's all about the same people coming together in a like-minded cause. Get more details about you being a part of the supply chain at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. We're back with more Martin Luther King, Hank Jr. after this. You are Hank Jr., right? Welcome back, Roll Route, Trent Lewis, alongside Hank Vogler, well, the third. It's way worse than that. I'm the fourth. The fourth. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Nobody in the family be? could spell. <laughs> so. Yeah. They copy, but they couldn't spell. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Well, at least they copied well. That's what matters. <laughs> and they knew, and they knew uh, the Roman numerals. So yeah. Anyhow, three and four. So mm -hmm. IV. That would be me. But 
I, yeah. there, there's a perfect, Martin Luther King is a perfect example. He, he is. Of, of, of how <clears throat> distorted we, the power, what power does to people. Now you have the Democratic Party, the solid Democrat South, the birthplace of Jim Crow, the, the, where Bull Connor was from, all the things that the Democratic Party today has as their only Ace in the hole is to call everybody a racist and to say everybody, you know, everybody's evil, which, you know, I don't care if you're Indian, Irish, where you're from. If somebody keeps beating you over the head with the same stuff, people are going to eventually believe a certain amount of it. And have they helped any of the black people? No. And the Civil Rights Act came along. They were the, the, the Democrats were the ones that were against it the longest lobbying, not lobbying, what do you call it, uh, filibuster in, in uh, American history was to prevent the Civil Rights Act. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King would be a conservative Republican on today's oh, scale. And I'm not so sure that he wasn't a Republican because the the people in the South of color favored the Republican Party. Lincoln was a Republican. This is all for power. This is not for well, helping him. And right. I like to go back to the president that I didn't learn anything about, and only in the last few months did I study him and learn more about him. That's Martin Van Buren. How much you know about Martin Van Buren? Very little. Eighth president Never, of the uh, United States. First president to be born in the United States to become president. His father, upstate New York farmer, who also owned a tavern, one of the taverns that the Constitution was hammered out in, literally hammered out in. And so he overheard all of these founding fathers talk about the reason for the Constitution and what it was about. And the Democrats credit Martin Van Buren for starting the Democrat Party. And Martin Van Buren was upset that the Whigs had lost sight of the everyday person and that they were falling in the same trap that they had already just left and creating uh, the whole system. The Whigs were just becoming too tyrannical in his mind at that time. So the Democrat Party in his lifetime, after he became president, they lost, they, they became too tyrannical in his words, and they wanted a centralized federal reserve, and they wanted all of this centralized federal control. So he worked with a group of people forming the Free Soiler Party. The Free Soiler Party only lasted 18 months, but it was all about free labor, free land, free men, and free speech. Now, when I said free labor and free men, I'm not talking about you are given land. He's talking about you should be able to own land without an overbearing burden of taxes and um, and something else we pay at that time that he was really upset about. And free labor was about that men should be able to work on their own free will, not be told that they were. The free soilers were anti-slavery. Well, that failed. And guess what was born out of the free solar movement, thanks to Martin Van Buren? The Republican Party in Wisconsin, which was all about anti-slavery, and they were bound to determined to get rid of slavery. So Martin Van Buren lived through that, brought all of that about, and we learned nothing about him in history. All right, and, and, and let me ask you this, Ben, you've obviously studied him. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what was the reasoning? Generally, follow the money. 
the people that were in Wisconsin, anti-slave people, mm -hmm. did they think that the people in the South that had slaves had some sort of a, a, a upper hand as far as well, they raising crops and grain and things like that? They had with, to. They with had free labor. Yeah, absolutely. And so they so they weren't really passionate about the human experience. They were more passionate about making it a, a, an even playing field that they thought that the South had an advantage because of slavery. Well, they were very much like the people of today used the emotion and they played the human aspect of it. But I think at the end of the day, it was uh -huh. all about balancing the equation. They felt the South had an advantage yeah. from the the whole trade standpoint. Well, you see, that's back to your comment about, you know, uh, the gentleman saying, what reservation are we going to put the farmers on? Right. You know, uh, it, is, it is very hard when someone else's ox is being gored mm -hmm. if you don't have a similar issue to have much involvement in it. And right now, to me, in my little tiny part of the world, we blatantly see it every day, the two-tiered level of justice. And it's very hard for people in, say, Nebraska that are paying, uh, what, a hundred and some dollars a head in taxes for every animal that they're raising. Okay. Uh, and, and to think that out here on the high, wide, and lonesome, that we have some sort of an upper hand because of federal land and that we're welfare ranchers and all those things and there's no cost to doing business well we've spent the last couple of days bringing cattle back out of other people's allotments which we do not want our cattle in other people's allotments because that's a very poor policy for neighboring and the solution rather than the cost of doing business being lost we need to extend those fences so one of them may be 100 yards, and it gets into a rim rock. Now, the Mustangs, the feral horses, have beat trails around the ends of those fences because we had to leave those fences the way they are so the free-roaming, born-free cans of dog food uh, can go around the end of the fences. So the cattle have found those trails, and so they're, because the wild horses have eaten all the forage, you know, uh, <clears throat> we lost 50 years the other day on Halajitan in an area that we were just moving through because the horses in that particular area have hammered all the grass so bad. All there was for that short trip across there was Halajitan. Well, all of these things are things that could be handled and things that the government are dodging. And, and then when you have Western Watershed Project, siding with Southern Nevada Water Authority in my debacle and in Wilson Creek's debacle with this government agency that has no right to hold a permit and has no right to be running livestock and competing against private enterprise. And you have these people lining up with them. They would rather line up with this two-tiered justice because, hey, they might get some contributions and destroy family ranchers. Not just the old need more sheep company, but mm -hmm. all up and down eastern Nevada. You know, and now we have Cedar City is going to, I believe, put in some a well system or something, but they're going to start mining water along that border 
to go to Cedar City because the growth of people there is is tremendous. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> the least among us is what it amounts to, and and so they're easy to pick on. The uh, American people, the people that are here in America, and the people of the South, rather than address the issues, rather before this, all these things, all this welfare and everything that we've tried to to help people with and made an institution out of it, black people had a, a lower rate of divorce. There were lots of businessmen. There was lots of activity in that community. And it was all stripped away from him and every day from those folks. And a lot of them were reminded every day how poor, pitiful you. Yep. Here's some money. And money is not the solution. And don't forget, 30% of the cowboys that brought the cattle up the Chisholm Trail were freed black slaves. Nobody ever talks about that, but they were finding a way to make their own way. I have to go to a break. We're halfway through. Hank Vogler, roll out more after this. And now we talk about immune health. We talk about health in general. The world's authority on nitric oxide production, Dr. Nathan Bryan, explains. We've got about 14 COVID clinics around the U.S. where we have a, a nitric oxide drug trial going on. I'm exposed to COVID probably every day. You know, pre-COVID, we as humans are exposed to viruses and bacteria every day of our life. That's just the world we live in. Some people get sick, some people don't. Why do some people get sick and why do others not? It all boils down to their ability to generate nitric oxide and to have certain things replete in their body like vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, selenium. If you're nutrient deficient, you're going to get sick. If you can't make nitric oxide, you're going to get sick. If you do all these things, you can be exposed to, to COVID or any other virus, and your immune system nips it in the bud, and you don't get sick from it. It's really that simple. We're going to change this ordering process up to make it simpler. Go to loosetailsmedia.com. Loosetailsmedia.com. There will be an order mechanism there, and if you want more of the science, I'll get that to you from Dr. Nathan Bryan. Loosetailsmedia.com. It's N-O-2-U. The the product's the same. The place you get it is different. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Loose alongside Hank Bugler checking in north of Spring Valley, Nevada, all coffeeed up. So... How's that case going with your neighbor well, illegally confiscating ranches? Uh, they're, uh, of course, because they're just, that, that, that's the whole thing. This goes back so long ago, and it was total dereliction on the part of the Bureau. And the Bureau specifically was trying to get this thing corrected because it goes back into the 1950s, for goodness sakes. But they were going to get it correct, and they never did. And it just happened to be that uh, SNWA, Southern Nevada Water Authority, stumbled into a situation where they were naive of what they were doing. They had that. this. Actually, this is a black eye to everybody in agriculture. They're all lawyers and accountants and engineers and wheels. They, they, they live in the city. Uh, go to Las Vegas. You can't even see downtown anymore. It's just all in a, a smog. It looks like Los Angeles in the sixties. So all of that's going on. But why, gee, we'll buy all these ranches and get the water and bring it to Vegas. And then this bunch of stupid half wit stereotypical punk and rollers 
you know, with a straw hat on and a straw hanging out of their mouth going, Handy partner. We can surely replicate what they do and do it better because we're lawyers and doctors and yeah, da, 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 da. we're professional bureaucrats in downtown Las Vegas. We'll just run those ranches and we'll play cowboy and sheep herder and all, all these things. Well, <laughs> no, you're not supposed to do that. That's competing against private property with exempt license plates with all of these things. But that's what is going on and they have the power and they have the money. But my situation was up until I showed up, one person, one family owned those permits. I showed up and in order for the people that was not even Southern Nevada Water Authority, whether they had divine providence or not, mm. they were another water company that bought the ranch. And they sold me everything that had to do with sheep. <clears throat> the BLM was supposed to divide the range up by what was sheep country, black sage, steep terrain, etc., etc., and what was cow country. And it was to be divided equally. There was no, you know, uh, there are a lot of people that were in the sheep industry that absolutely, because, again, power, money, situation, cattle people were very powerful back when, they had before the Taylor Grazing Act, Miller and, and all these, um, all these immigrants were coming in. Well, Miller and Lux run a lot of sheep too. Were they were cattle and people, getting permits. They? Well, basically, but they had they had a lot of horses, they had a lot of uh, cattle, and they had a lot of sheep. But uh, that was just the day and time. But but there's a lot of people that to this day believe that the. Bureau of Land Management, Taylor Grazing Act, was to eliminate sheep grazing. And they and the cowboys were much more glamorous, and they did have the press, not unlike what we've got going on now. You know, uh, who can feed the masses, whether it's the truth or not? You know, what did Mark Twain say? If you do not read the newspaper, you're uninformed, and if you read the newspaper, you are misinformed. Well... That's all has to do with money. Always follow the money. If you're running a TV station or anything, your ratings, the amount that you charge for your services as a public broadcaster or whatever, is based on the people that are listening to you. So when you want to scoop a story back in the old newspaper days, you want to be on, on the inside, you suck up to the people in power. And for 40 years, guess who was in power? <laughs> you know, the the Robert Birds, who I think he was a, a grand wizard in the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, <laughs> these people from the South, they controlled a great deal of this country because they were the solid South. The only way you could get elected in the South was to be a Democrat. And so <clears throat> they had power. And that power, abused, used, or whatever, there it was. Lyndon Baines Johnson, all of those people. And now, with the aid of the press, they have flipped the entire narrative to where it's the Republicans. Well, yeah, the old silk scarf Republicans. But they kicked the Democratic Party, alienated the farmers. They alienated people in the armed services. They alienated the small businesses and everything. 
<clears throat> based on their ace in the hole, if they could get 99% of people of color to vote for them, they won election after election, and they had power after power. And all this crap about you don't need a, uh, uh, an identification to vote? Gee, I wonder what that's all about. I mean, how far up the food chain you got to be able to figure that one out? They don't want anybody to have to have ID. They want their professional voters to be there. They want to have their ballots that they can pull out from under a table and flip an election. I mean, it's just that's the way it is working. And it's all has to do with power. Have they helped people of color? Have they helped Hispanics? Have they helped anybody but themselves, the inside circle? No. They made things worse for everyone. John Kennedy. Populations. And, and and look at John Kennedy. He would be a conservative Republican in today's mm-hmm. order. I mean, it's just, uh, it's all been flipped. But they were aided and abetted by a press that really wasn't trying to get out what the oppression or what was really going on. Everything they did was for money, uh, for for power. Same deal. So, you know, we're getting what we Look the other way, you know, all my life, there ought to be a law. There ought to be, well, now there is. You name it, and there's two or three laws, 10 or 15 rules and regulations on everything. And that's the what, that's how we're going to win right there, Mr. Luce, is when I'm telling stories about SNWA, it's a little hard to relate to. What's he talking about? Mm-hmm. He's a welfare rancher anyhow. But now... That government bureaucrat has knocked on too many doors and wanted you to wear a mask or get a shot or do this or do that or comply, putting small business people out of business, who a lot of times voted for the people in power so they could go see them and have power. The Republicans, the old silk scarf Republicans, they could buy them. They didn't care where they were, independent Democrats, what. Uh, Look at Vermont with Bernie Sanders. You could buy him. Buy him a house on Lake Champlain or something, you know? His hand was out, too. Like a bunch of Mater D's at a, at, a, at a cocktail show in Reno or Vegas. I mean, it's just it was all based on money. It still is. But we're going to win because all the we people are winning. Even in the conservative state of Nebraska last Wednesday night at midnight, Douglas County, the health whatever the health director of the Department of Health is, whatever that title really is, issued her own mask mandate again for all businesses in Douglas County and hefty fines if you fail. And the governor and the attorney general have all spoke about how wrong it is, but they haven't taken the next step to say, no, we're going to stand up for the constitutional rights of the people of the county. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Well, because they get money in to run their campaign. And where do they get the money from individuals? People who give $100,000 or $10,000 mm-hmm. to a bureaucrat running for an office, Well, he's not doing it because he's he's doing it because he wants a favor. He needs a favor. That That's a bit of the quandary in this situation because the governor's termed out. He's in his last year. And the attorney general, Doug Peterson's announced he's not running for re- rerunning for attorney general. So, it's a quandary. And I know the governor's stand is, the, the governor's stand is, I don't want to tell the local authorities how to govern, because he's very much a constitutionalist. But, um, 
when you have people that are just fed up with that nonsense, you got to stand up for them. And and out of whatever whatever fear there is, or whatever, you know, boy, I don't want to rock the boat at this late stage, right? Kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, what makes it? What makes people just completely turn on a dime? And ninety nine percent, whether it's a newspaper reporter or or whether it's a bureaucrat, it's all based on can he continue to rule and dominate. You, is generally the, the reason. It's it's the money. Follow the money. That's the problem. And I don't know how to cure that. I really don't. All I know is is we need to clean house. Well, we I need to start over again. It's pretty clear, Hank, that there's just one thing or another. You you think about the early days of uh, the Transcontinental Railroad. That was all about the corruption and buying politicians. And today it's the big pharma corruption and buying politicians apparently there's always going to be some issue that allows the corruption to buy the politicians they finished the transcontinental railroad so there was nothing left there to gain so they had to find something else well and look at the bureau of land management i grew up in the old ak majors train of thought okay if all these people run these many livestock in this area we're going to have to we're going to have to change something so they can do it. And so they, he went out and planted grasses and, and made improvements and, and pipelines and all kinds of things and made feed for the livestock. And, and they kind of were hitting the wall. There wasn't any need to expand the size of the outfit. Well, along came the Wild Horse and Burrow Act. I think the wild horses take up more of the in Department of Interior's budget than any other part of it. And then with the different laws that sound so good, National Environmental Policy Act, NEPA, well, all of a sudden, we got a complete cottage industry of Western Watershed Project, all these people. We had the Equal Access for Legal Justice by mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter. All of these things came along. And so we created the cottage industry of people that were supposed, you know, the the people in the trenches they think they're going to save the world from global warming or from the destruction of livestock or methane gas or something but the hierarchy it's all based on money and power now have are they lining up with southern nevada water authority because they have a chance of getting money from them because they're obviously Mm -hmm. not going to get any money from me or the other ranchers or they're going to get equal access to legal justice money whatever it is yeah, I guarantee it has to do with money. It doesn't have to do with saving anything or putting me out of business. And 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 they basically wrote a friend of the court deal. Rural route. I'm mentioning protect the harvest, not because I get money, but because I believe in them. Continuing to empower you at the grassroots level. Check out the man of the land this week, a zoo operator with what amazing zoo in Phoenix. Protecttheharvest.com. We're back with the last segment of Rural Route after this. Welcome back. We're all out. Trent Loose alongside Hank Vogler, North Spring Valley, Nevada. I need to get over north of Ogallala. I know that there is a, a, a gentleman who sold out of cows in 2021 and is now running 1,400 head of your uh, past neighbors, BLM horses. 
I hear rumor that their, I don't know, their contract at one point in time, Hank, was $2.20 per head per day, but I haven't confirmed this, but I hear it's significantly higher. Speaking to what you just mentioned in terms of the amount of money that's spent on the budget warehousing these old horses, and then they double their life, so it just continues to perpetuate the problem. But it's close enough to me that I just need to get over there and visit with the person and uh, show what's really going on. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's criminal. It's criminal to the horse. It's criminal to the range. I mean, the, you know, we're supposed to be protecting these ranges and, and they've, they're just because I have to move my livestock in a prescribed manner. Yeah. Here, there, and yon, spring, summer, fall, winter. The horses stay where they want and stay where Usually the feed that they prefer, which is a feed that the livestock prefer, et cetera, et cetera. So they, it just gets hammered and hammered and hammered. I mean, here's a, in, in my rebuttals, in my conversations with the court, not just on my allotments, but on other people's allotments, this entire what they call herd management area is supposed to have 324 head of horses. Now, two summers ago, they water-trapped 800. Last summer, after, in the midst of a horrible drought, absolutely breathtaking drought, you can take your choice. One says this is the worst drought in 127 years. The other choice is this is the worst drought in 1,200 years. Hmm. They took out 2,200 head of more horses. Out of 800? But they left 3,800. They took 2,200 uh, out of 800? No, no. no. The, two years ago, they took 800. Okay. Last summer, two summers ago, yep. last summer, they took out 2,200 head. This is after all the grass had grown, everything. Mm-hmm. It was just whatever was there was there, and in the middle of a drought. So <clears throat> there's 3,000 head of horses that they removed. From an allotment that 3, had 345. Three that was supposed to have three hundred and twenty-four, not one a lot. Horse, a ma- horse management allotments. area. Yes. Yeah. Now you—that's t- ten times what's supposed to be there, and and they're not up in the rocks, eating pine trees. They're right down where the best feed is and closest to the water. Sure. And they run off wildlife, everything, pounding out those springs. I mean, it's just all of these things are just as as against everything that could possibly be. So, you know, the reason Nevada has more wild horses than anywhere else is because it was a further distances to water and they needed horses for the armed services. The government, ironically, used to provide them with studs to put with their mares to mm-hmm. raise horses for the government, for the armed services, for for lots of reasons. And then when the gasoline engine came along, people took care of them. They sold them for dog food, and they tried to keep them under threat. Actually, the wild horse was a first federal confiscation of private property. Those horses belonged to people. People wanted specific results. And if they had a, uh, an old orangutan come wandering in and trying to steal some mares, from their stud that they had turned out, 
He was either caught or summarily turned into coyote bait. There was no exception. So, again, all of this stuff, and with the press and, and, and with the bleeding hearts, you get that. That's how you get things done. And money and power. It was the people. It was the farmers. 98% of the people that signed the Constitution were in agriculture. Mm-hmm. And that is what they wanted freedom from. Rules and regulations being handed down from Britain. And we've gone full circle. We're right back to King George and his minions. King George and his fiefdoms. And his sheriffs. And his police. And his armed services. Now attacking the ordinary people. And now they've attacked enough ordinary people, whether it's te- teaching critical race theory in Virginia or wherever. And if the Democrats no aren't sweating, they're not paying attention either. Yeah. Yep. So, again, this is what's going on. And, and agriculture, you know, everybody's thinking they've turned the corner with $5 corn, $6 corn. Way to late. Actually, nobody's thinking that. Hey. more for their... I, I I've never seen a, heads down. I've never seen a time when uh, commodity prices are so high and people's attitudes are so low. Well, because they just drive by the gas pump and it'll tell well, them. Well, they've and talked the to their fertilizer supplier. The they've talked to their seed supplier. All you have to do is talk to the truckers. I mean, the trucker report that came out last week, yeah, maybe on Friday was well, it was less than bleak. Yeah. Again, all of these things, the chickens are coming home to roost, yeah. uh, as Reverend Wright would say. Yeah, no, no, this no. is what's going on, and it, it's we're going to have a change. I promise you. You, uh, I need to get back to Cedarville, California, because um, you know Will Cockrell. I know of him. Yeah, yeah, his family was involved in supplying those mounts for the army. And he can walk through how his family managed those horses. Uh, I need to take my TV cameras, get back there, and just bring the real story to life is what I need to do. Right after I go to North Spring Valley, Nevada, and get the Hank Vogler story told to the public. Yeah. But again, the government has expanded. And really, just like cancer, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and as soon as you get your tenure in a government position, mm-hmm. your attitude is going to change. You start protecting your your job. And <clears throat> name a program that's ever gone away in the government. Name a rule or a regulation. You know you cannot believe why the H-2A program is failing. It's failing because nobody wants to be in it. And when you get audited, and, and they shake you down until they find something wrong, not to help the people that are working for you, but to justify their job as a person with Department of Labor. But when you say Department of Labor, everybody runs it high. Politicians are scared of that word. The same way they are the environment. You say the environment, and immediately the people that are in power say, oh, you like dirty water? You like dirty air? You like... Uh, everything causing cancer you like all these things well no but you know after 30 or 40 years you've got to kind of revamp a few things but we made a few mistakes 40 years ago with nepa and within epa and all of this stuff yeah it's crazy and and i'm it it sounds terrible and i and mean 
But I'm glad that people are awake in Nebraska of $5 corn is not going to cut the deal. And maybe that's what needs to happen. Maybe people will not produce. And when they will, if you think the shelves are empty now, if this price of fuel, which who and what third grader doesn't understand when you shut down the source of the oil, <laughs> the pipelines, and yeah. the first thing you do when you get into office is it's not going to cause the price of fuel to go up. But know. to push your narrative, you want electric cars, you want everything that's other. Well, what do you do with an electric car? Do you plug it into a current berry bush? Or are you making the electricity out of – are you making that with uh, with fossil fuels, with natural gas? I mean, what in the world? This is this is so wrong-headed. But we're going to have $10 gas so we can push the narrative of electric cars. Then we're going to give a subsidy to people to buy this electric car and the trash, the, the environmental damage that – wind power and solar power and all these things actually cause and the fact that the the panels are manufactured <laughs> in a, a foreign country yeah i mean you start thinking about this you go how in the world are people choking this one down this is just ridiculous there was and a- it's not the 67 per- 67% of the people do not like what's going on I'm worried about the 33% that still think that it's Uncle okay. Joe is doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, they're scary people. Did you see the article, which was very credible, about the number of people in Canada that are ready to stick their Tesla cars up somebody's address? Because <laughs> they can't. <laughs> yeah, it must be about like driving a covered wagon because they can't get enough heat in them. They're freezing to death while they drive them. <laughs> it's just funny to me. But I mean, if you turn the heater on, it doesn't work. There's, if you turn the heater on, heat. it's going to run the battery down. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't. There's yeah. nothing there to generate heat. Okay, so you're going to have to have some artificial heat source, which means. You're going to have, uh, there's electrical heaters, so that's going to pull it down faster. And you get above sea level and you start pulling the load or pulling the hill. That 500-mile radius is a crock. It cuts it in half. So you, And then when you plug them in, it's not like going to the gas station and filling your tank with gas. It takes a little while to charge the battery. I mean, everything about it is just... What, what are, are those? Uh, what are those stones called? I Robert Perry from uh, Pace, Illinois, gave me one. It's a stone that you heat up, you put in the fire before you get in your buckboard, and then you, you put your feet on it so you can keep your feet warm. Because if you keep your feet warm, you're going to have a, a warmer experience. But it's a stone, and I'm thinking that we're going to have to make these stones that provide heat to your feet while you're driving an electric car, <laughs> like the, they were in the covered but, wagon. Trent, <laughs> what 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 do you get? Where do you get the heat to heat the stone? You got to build a fire. You got to use yeah, some fires. You got to use something. <laughs> yeah, and and all of these things. I mean, it's it 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 sounds good on paper, and yeah. Somebody that's driving back and forth to work in, in Las Vegas or Los Angeles or New York and, and, and he's commuting two and a half miles, three miles a day or five miles, ten miles might be a great alternative. 
But for the rest of us, for it, it is not going to work, and it's not going to be. It, it cannot be that large of a market without costing a tremendous amount of environmental damage and money. And ain't is going to be easy. That'll be the last word of the day. We've successfully gone out of here with petroleum fuel, just so you know, not electric heat. <laughs> Down the road, connecting rural and urban America. Frank, we're going to Both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to